Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. So today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I know that most of us aren't really into it. I'll be honest. I just want to go hang out with some friends and eat some wings and stuff like that because I really don't care because I have utter, not loss in faith, but one day I do hope to see our team back in there. Go fish. So I don't say it with too much excitement because I really don't expect that to happen, but I got to have faith in God. So man will always let me down. Well, this thing's shaking a lot, shaking a lot. So are we all doing good otherwise today? Yeah, as far as you know, I like that. I like that. So, you know, I like the team concept. You want to know why? Because teams are awesome. Teams are a group of people that come together from different walks of life, different areas, with one common purpose. You can't always pick the people that are on your team. In fact, you rarely can pick the people on your team. Yet when you realize that when you have a team put together, whether it be football, baseball, sport at your work, even here in church, you have to be part of a team with one common goal and one common purpose, bringing all these people together to try and make that happen. That's always a great dynamic because the honest truth is if any of us have ever been on a team together, you may not always like the people on your team, but too bad, you're stuck with them anyways. You know, and when you look at even the football teams and all, most of them had no clue who they're going to be playing with. They just want to be picked up and used for their team to go to victory. That's what their goal is every season. They don't know what the outcome is going to be. They can have all the faith in the world, but they don't know what the outcome is going to be. They don't know where they're going to go at the end of the season, yet they will still work together. And work, it's the same thing. You guys are working towards a common goal. Now, I always like to share a little bit of a story. I know most people know me as the, uh, oh, you're the pastor. There's the fireman, too. Well, yes, yes. But I also was a cop before that. You know, for a few years, I was a cop before I came to the light, and Jesus removed me and put me on the fire department. So, you know, the team concept goes in all those jobs. And that is awesome because in many cases, it's our life on the line. And if you don't trust your teammates or you don't know what your teammates are going to do or you don't have faith in your team, it's going to get you killed possibly. So we had one day, you know, you never know what you're going to get. I love the adrenaline rush of going to my job because I never know what my day is going to look like. It can be great or it can be horrible. I'll take either one. I just love the experiences. I'm weird like that. So one day we, I'm at work, you know, we're patrolling around. And as a police officer, you're out in your car by yourself. You're patrolling an area and you have your other men and women officers that are on your squad and they're out in different areas. And you're kind of doing your own thing, looking for stuff. And every once in a while, they ask you to go a specific call. And they expect whoever's closest, because this was back before we had all these neat GPS things and know where we are, they would just wait for you to say, hey, I'm closest. I'm going to go to that. I'm coming from here. So I'm, I'm patrolling around, and a call goes out for possible home invasion in progress. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know, most calls, I'll be honest, they're not what they say they are. But you still go. You decide to respond to this call without any understanding or knowledge of what you're actually going to see or be involved in when you get there. So we're cruising over, and I hear some of my other partners getting on, and they're all heading over there too, and then more info comes in. Dispatch says, there's a kid in the closet hiding saying people are yelling and beating their parents. Oh, this might be real. This might be something. You're getting closer. The adrenaline rush is coming up. You still don't know what you're going to face when you get there. Then all of a sudden, the first unit arrives, probably about 10 seconds before me and my partner arrive, and then they say, we just had two males run back into the house armed with guns. Oh, oh, this is real. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, it's, it's weird when you're a cop or a fireman. We think that way. We get excited for that stuff. So we all come up, hit the brakes, squealing, jumping out of the car before it fully stops, running around the house because most of the time we think, I'm sorry, we act before we even think. 
We don't put out the whole process because I have to go make a difference. I have to go do something. Why? Because that's what I was called to do. That's what I'm paid to do. That's my job. So long story short, we run around inside the house, me and my partner. We're encountered by a fine young gentleman with a submachine gun. So my partner kicks him in the stomach. I do my best impression of Dusty Rhodes, taking it back to the old school wrestling, put him in a headlock and drop him and give him a gentle hug around his neck. Well, at that point in time, if you've never been involved in a situation like that, there's hands and feet flying everywhere and hitting everybody, and you don't know where they're coming from. You just hope that more of them are hitting the bad guys than the good guys. Well, at that point, me and my partner are working on the one guy, because he's still got a nice gun, and then another fine young gentleman comes running around the back with a couple pistols in his hand, ready to rock and roll, and our eyes are like, oh boy, that may not have been the words I used, but that was my thinking. So at that point, you know, I'm like, I really hope the other squad car and the other guys are coming around the other side of the house because there ain't a whole lot I can do because I can't let go of this guy right now. But thank goodness a couple more of the other guys came running around and they did another beautiful thing. We have WrestleMania going on on the side of this house. And at the end of the day, we, you know, end up arresting these fine, fine young gentlemen. Um, introduced them, we gave them some nice silver bracelets and took them for a nice stay in uh, Hotel California. So... But we didn't know what we were going to get into. We didn't expect anything. You never know what you're going to have. We just had to decide that I'm going to respond. I'm going to go be a part of this. I'm going to go make a difference because that's what I know. That's what we do. And now my wife always loves when I tell these stories, either from police or fire. I, I, it's weird. I think it's a mix of nervousness and a little bit of excitement because I'm very heavily insured. So I never know. You know? I, I don't know how to take it. My wife always keeps an extra uniform of mine in the car, and I'm always like, why? She goes, never know when you might need it. <laughs> you know, they're going to ask, okay, hey, so how did Captain McCarthy die on vacation? I don't know. Put his uniform on, he went and did something. Extra payout. Love you. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of sense of humor we have in the McCarthy household. It's okay. That's why we're in marriage ministry. But I wondered, how does that apply or how does that look when we compare it to our Christian walk and our Christian life? We, do we look at it that way? Do we look at it as we're part of a team? Do we realize what we have, what we're supposed to be doing? Do we realize that we all have a purpose and a calling on our life? I think sometimes we don't realize that every single one of us sitting in these seats at every service, services to come, days to come, things to come, that every single one of us has a calling and a purpose on our life. And just like when I go to work, you have to make a choice. You either answer that call or you don't. That's your choice. And that's what we have to look at. And that's what I want to focus on today. I want to share a message that I've titled Response Team. And I'm going to be reading out of Ephesians 4 if you want to start turning there. And this is the concept and the idea that as the body of Christ and as his children, God's children on earth, each and every one of us have a purpose and a calling. And we need to understand that. We need to realize that. We need to get the concept of what it's all about. Walking with God is not a Sunday thing. Walking with God is not a momentary thing. I laugh all the time when I talk with guys at work. They'll, they'll hear me mention something. I laughed the other day. I spent the first half of my morning in theological discussions with the guy driving my truck because he had about 10 million questions because everybody's curious. And I don't shove it down anybody's throat, but I'm more than glad to share it when they want to ask. So he was curious. He was wondering that what is all this about? And 
I hear it all the time. Maybe some of you have heard this, or maybe this has even come out of some of your mouth. You know, I think I want to try the God thing. Oh, oh, okay. So God's the next diet fad. I want to try him out. I want to see if he works for me. I want to, I want to give it. Okay. I always say, just like uh, my friend Alan Oria from this house says, all in. That's all he says, all in. You choose. You're either all in or you're not. God doesn't do some. God doesn't get tried out. God's not an order on a menu that you can customize. God says you either follow him or you don't. But he still has the team structure in place. He still has that on our lives. He still has such a beautiful thing he wants for us that goes so far beyond sitting in here and listening to one of us up here. That he has so much more for us going on outside those walls that's going to impact your life and those around you. In Ephesians chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, we're reading about walking in unity. And Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one truth, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, I don't know if you picked up there was one word that was used quite often, and that one word is one. Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly in those verses. Is that one us? No. That one is God. We have one God, one spirit, one purpose, one life, one Father. One thing that drives each and every one of us. One purpose that drives each and every one of us. One reason that we still have breath in our lungs today. Because God has not called us home yet because he has a purpose on your life. And I want to look at things from the team concept. Because the reality is there's one person I know in my life that holds me back from the true calling of God. There's one person that I got to deal with all the time. The guy's a real jerk, but I deal with him anyways. It's myself. I am my own worst enemy when it comes to walking with God and the purpose on God. I have this unbelievable way of tripping over my own feet in my walk. I have an unbelievable aptitude to just get in my own way all the time from God's work. And eventually, every day, I get a little better with realizing, you know what? Maybe God thought this thing out. He might have a plan in place. Let me go with it. But then again, I get in my own way sometimes. And I know that's most of us out here. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if we're honest with ourselves, that will be the vast majority of us out there. We are the worst enemy to our own walk with God. We can't blame other people. We can't say things were bad. That's great things were bad. The life Jesus led on this earth wasn't all that great from our standpoint of comfort, and everything else, but yet he did it. He made that choice. He was part of the team, part of the team with a purpose. He just happened to be the coach. He was in charge. So I just want to look at three things that in 2018 can help us stay in motion for the best of what God has in our life. Things to ponder and think about when we come with our walk with Christ. And the first thing I want to look at, if you want to take notes, is to make a difference, you have to decide to respond. Well, Duh, Rich, I obviously have to decide to respond. Yes, you do. Simplest concept in thought. Hardest concept in execution. That right there. 
You can sit there and look at that all day long and say, yeah, that's right. I have to decide to respond. Oh, okay. So I know God saved you for a purpose. God has a reason you're here. You're not just here to take up valuable oxygen. You're here to serve a purpose. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I haven't what yet? I haven't decided. We all say it. Well, I haven't decided yet. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be, you know, all this stuff. You got to understand that when you decide to follow God, it's just that simple. You make the decision, and you take that step of faith, and you wait and wonder where he's going to take you, but that whole time you're wondering where he's taking you, realize he's already got you on a path. We're too busy looking at the end result. We're too busy wanting to know everything that's laid out in front of us. We're too busy wanting to know what every step is going to look like. Why? Because I have a fear of the unknown. I don't like going into something I don't understand. That's most people. I get it. I like surprises. I do stupid things. Usually gets me in trouble, but it helps me in my job. But we need to understand that the walk with God is no different. We need to understand that our walk with God is as simple as the decision to follow him. Then we decide to take that step and we decide to go over that, God, I'm going to give everything to you. I'm going to follow you. I don't know where it's going to take me, but it's got a purpose and a reason. That is all we have to do. That is just step one. The rest is no longer up to you. The rest is up to him. The only decision you have as part of free will that he gives you which would make it so much easier if God didn't give me free will, but he lets me make choices in my life, is the fact that you just have to decide that I'm going to follow him. After that, he will guide your paths. And that's the difference that we need to understand. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 24, we read, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, we can read that like we're reading a book. You can read that like you're reading a novel without the knowledge of what these men were going through at that time and say, oh, well, of course, of course they followed him, Rich. He was Jesus. We all know what happens in the Bible. We win. Of course they were going to follow him. Do you think they had this to read back then? I can bet you money most of these guys couldn't even read. They were uneducated. That's the way the systems worked back then. You're either educated to learn how to read the Torah and be a part of God's work, or you were just put to work out in the fields or fishing or mending, and that's all you did. These were not educated men who had some understanding of who Jesus was and what he was going to do over these next thousands of years. There was something about him that drew them to him. There was something about a response that they had that they decided to follow him. Don't fool yourselves. Don't think that when you read this, understand, okay, that was in the fourth chapter of Matthew. Chapter 1 talks about the genealogy of Christ. Chapter 2 in Matthew talks about the birth of Christ and John the Baptist. Chapter 3 talks about the rising of John the Baptist and the baptizing of Christ. And in the beginning of chapter 4, we read that after being baptized, Jesus went through a 40-day fast, taken in, taken up to the mountaintops by Satan himself to be tempted, resisted him, and next thing you know, we jump into this. This was the beginning of Christ's ministry. They didn't have the advantages of Twitter, Facebook, advertising. Coming this Sunday to the Sea of Galilee Amphitheater, Jesus Christ with opener John the baptizer. They didn't have that. 
These were guys just working along. Jesus comes along, and mind you, I'm pretty sure he's got a little more charisma and draw than any one of us, but something made those guys drop everything they were doing and decide to follow him. They didn't ask, well, hold on, hold on, let me ask you, what does this job entail there, Jesus? I haven't filled out an application. I haven't heard the benefits or the retirement package. Lay it all out for me. Give me a full detailed plan, and I'll get back to you. Jesus did not have time for that. Jesus came down understanding the full intention that his ministry itself, not his life, but his ministry, was going to span approximately three years. That was the plan in place. It wasn't a, hey, Jesus, I'm going to send you down. After about year two and a half, we're going to reconvene, we're going to evaluate. We might push this back to a five-year plan, okay? No, there was three years. Every time you read in the verses of Jesus having an encounter with somebody, he encountered, he met with them, he spoke to them, and he gave them a choice to make a decision. And guess what he did? He moved on. His goal and his job was to reach as many people as possible, not only to save them at that moment, but to create disciples who would go on and continue his work. That's how he started his ministry with people. He didn't lay anything out for people about what was to come. It's funny when you read through the scriptures that he drew in men like this to just follow me. But yet, like in the book of Luke, I always love, down in chapter 14, it's not going to go up on the screen, I'm just thinking about this one. In verse 27, it talks about that you have to take up your cross daily and follow me to be my disciple. That who to go who builds a tower does not first sit down and think about it and the cost it will take, lest he start to build it, not build it past the foundation, and others mock him. That was brought on later on. You don't think some of these guys would have said, hey, could you have told me that at the beginning? When you first offered me the job to follow you, all you said was follow me and it sounded really cool. And they followed. But think about that. We get to read all the scriptures and we get to read through everything and we get to make a decision based on some form of knowledge of whether we believe Christ is who he says he is in this book. Yet time and time again, men and women who dropped everything to follow him. That's the kind of reckless abandonment we're talking about. That's the type of decision we're talking about. Like Yoli said, God may not ask you to give up everything. He may just ask you, follow me and be obedient to me, and I will guide your paths. That's the difference. But yet you still have to decide to follow the team. You still have to step up and make a difference. You just have to make that decision. Once again, easy in thought, difficult in execution. But think about that. Just think about as simple as it is just to make the decision to follow Christ. The second thing I want to look at after that is, so, okay, fine, I'm working on that, Rich. I'll make a decision. Once I decide, I'll get back to you. So you think about that. You work on that. But there's something else that usually holds us back. It's another fear. It's the fear of what's on me. What do I got to take care of? Well, the second point I want to look at is being a part of a team means you do not work alone. You don't work alone. Now, once again, We can all say that, but how many times have any of us in our job, in our recreation, in our activities, even serving here at church for those of us that do already serve, how many times do we get this feeling that if I don't take care of it, it's not going to get done? If I don't get on top of it and I don't make sure it's going to happen, well, it's not going to get done. And we pile this pressure on ourselves and we pile all this thought and process on top of ourselves. We put all this undue pressure on ourselves, myself included, Because we feel that we have to do all these things. We have to take everything on. Oh my gosh, order the ice cream. We're having a pity party. It's all about me and all this. I know, I get it. I'm there too. But that's the point. We're part of a team. 
Change your vernacular. We got to get this done. If we don't do something about it, it won't get done. If we don't step up to the process, it won't happen. So guess what? If I'm not here on a Sunday because I'm at work, what, do you think the place shuts down? No, my wife's by my side. The other pastors, the leaders, the team members, the dream team we have here. This will happen regardless of one individual walks in the building. It's because all individuals walk in this building. And when you realize you're part of a team, I always tell people, I always encourage people, even one of the guys this morning, get plugged in, be a part of a team. You do not walk this life alone. You walk this life as part of a team. You do it as a team. If any of you are football fans, you know, I, I, don't, I can't, I don't know that much of football history, but the concept still does not elude me. So look at some of the greatest teams in history. And when you think about that team, you might be able to pull out a handful of players that were superstars. But the way you have to think about it is, were they superstars before that team was great and their presence made that team great? Or was that team's greatness as a unit and as a whole produce superstars from within and out of it? The vast majority of us can live off the glory of the 1972 Dolphins, and we will forever remember the undefeated season. Name 20 players off that team. Probably won't. Probably name a handful. You won't. Why? Because it was the team's effort that made the difference, not the individual effort. Collectively, they were able to accomplish great things. Put together, they were a force to be reckoned with. Tom Brady, as amazing as he is, he will be the greatest football player to ever throw a deflated football. Sorry, that was my inner voice. Comes out sometimes. I'm just, I'm just jealous. He is, he's handsome and talented. Anyways. He will go down as probably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game. I'll give him that. I'm not going to take that away from him. But do you think that if Tom Brady was the only one out there, the team would be anything? Would they be there? No. The funny thing is he gets a lot of the glory, but that team is made up of a bunch of hard-nosed guys who give everything they have. Why? Because they have one common purpose and one common goal. They will sacrifice self for the betterment of the team. They will sacrifice personal needs for the accomplishments of the team. They will look at what they want to accomplish more than what I want to feel. And that's what will drive them. And that's what has to drive us for working and serving God. It's not about my personal comfort. It's not about my personal satisfaction. It's about the drive I have for Christ. It's about the drive I have to save others. It's about the same drive that makes me want to get up and be okay with running into a situation in a bad car accident, a building on fire, somebody dying. And I don't think about the moment. I'm not actually engaged in the moment. I'm analyzing it because I got a purpose. My outcome is I want to save somebody or help somebody. The goal by which I get there, hey, it don't matter. It's going to get done one way or another. And that's the same mindset we have to have when it comes to serving God. Do we have that mindset? Do we have that thought process? Are we sitting here thinking that I'm going to do everything it takes? Am I sitting here thinking that I'm going to be all in? I'm going to be engaged because I'm part of a team. I don't do anything alone. I walk with others who are like-minded and are going to be with me. I'm sensing a little lull over this place. It's a little quiet in here. I'm going to do something a little unconventional if you don't mind, Alex. I kind of did this at men's night a little bit. Y'all are with me. I'm going to do something right now. This is going to be an interactive part of the service because I want to put you in my mind because I've had people tell me, you seem a little intense sometimes. 
Ask my wife. I am. I have about six hours, usually four to five hours a night that I'm not intense. It's when I'm sleeping. And I'm still, I'm still going. I'm going to throw something out there, and I want you guys to respond. I'm not joking with you guys. This is going to be a part where I want you to react with me. I want to get you in the mindset. I want to get those hearts pumping a little bit, and I want to get that intensity up a little bit. Because I don't want anybody to ever come in here on a Sunday and think, I'm just going to sit here, listen, and walk out without personally being impacted. So it's real simple. I want to keep a mindset in our head about what we need to do and how we serve God. I'm going to yell out, can't stop, and I want your response to be, won't stop. Once again, I'm not joking. I'm going to yell out, can't stop, and I want you to yell back, won't stop. And we're going to do it till we get it right. And we're going to do it till we get pumped up. So are we ready? Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. Come on, can't stop, can't stop, can't stop. That's what I'm talking about. On men's night, I yelled out a morn. I made them stand up and do push-ups, but we won't do that here. We're all dressed too nice and pretty. But that's the mentality I want us to have. It was fun, make you laugh, loosen up a little bit. But that's the thought process you gotta have. Whether you're gonna get up and get out of your bed and have the best day of your life, and they'd be sucker punched once you walk out the door, or whether you get up feeling it's gonna be the worst day of your life, and from the moment you walk out there, that door, God's gonna use you to impact somebody. Whether you realize what your calling is on your life, it doesn't matter. You just have to realize you're part of the team. You know, in fact, in Ephesians chapter four, I, I read from it earlier, we're gonna jump down a little further in verses 11. It reads, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the, the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are the body of Christ. Whether you're an ear to hear, a nose to smell, a mouth to speak, a hand to lift up and support, or a toe that helps balance the whole thing up. It doesn't matter. Could we do things without the whole body in place? Probably. But would we be as effective? Absolutely not. We are a team, one body, one purpose, one God, one Christ. And the funny thing is, being a part of that team, take the pressure off yourself. Because if you notice the, the big thing in those verses, the one part that none of us will ever be is the head. And I'm okay with that. Because there's a good chance that if one of us was the head, this thing would go way wrong. So that pressure is not on you. That pressure is not on your life. Christ is the head of the team and of the church. All we have to decide is we're going to follow him. You know, I remember 12 years ago when I submitted my life and gave my life to the Lord, my wife came up and said, okay, babe, you know the next step? We got to start serving. <laughs> serving? Well, like any good husband, I was ready. And I said, yes, dear. <laughs> and we went in and I said, all right, babe, where are we serving? I'm hyper, I'm ready to go, I want to jump around. I'm ready to do things. Awesome, go sit behind the camera. Uh, okay. And I sat behind that camera for years. 
and it blessed my life beyond belief. I barely interacted physically with a lot of people other than in social settings when we had team member nights at our house. We used to have some great, I'm sorry, we don't call them parties, we call them fellowship when you do them in the church. But we were blessed because I knew I was a part of something God was doing. That you know what, maybe somebody was watching online that if I did a bad camera shot, it would mess them up. So I sat there diligently and sat there and did what I was supposed to do, and I loved it. I loved it because I didn't care what I was doing. I was just on team. I just had that thought process, can't stop, won't stop. I had absolutely no intentions that these years later, I would be standing up here sharing. That was never my intention. And I still wonder what God's doing sometimes, but I don't question him, I just go with it. I join the team. And that's what you guys have to understand. It's just you join the team, you become a part of it, and you get involved. Don't put the pressure on yourself. You're not the head. None of us are that special. You know, I know my dad used to tell me I was special when I screwed up a lot, but I think he meant something different. Each one of us is special in the eyes of God, though, and each one of us serves a purpose. Nobody's here by accident or mistake. You have a purpose. And when you decide to follow and you become a part of the team, it'll make all the difference in the world. You know, when you kind of put aside, you know, one of the biggest things I think we do is with that fear, we keep putting it off. We put off the decision. We say, I'm not ready to decide. Or we sit there and we say, you know, I'm not ready to join the team because I don't know what I'm going to offer to the team. Once again, get out of your own way. Stop holding yourself back. God didn't say, hey, I need you because without you, the kingdom's going to fall apart. God just said, do what I called you to do and spread the gospel to everywhere in the world. It's as simple as that. But we keep putting it off, putting off, putting it off because I want to know what the exact plan looks like. I don't want to step into something I don't know because he may call me to do something I don't want to do. A simple thought process is it's not the amount of time in your life. It's the amount of life in your time. I know people that were snatched up way too early from this world, but yet their life impacted others. And if I wake up every morning not knowing whether I have five minutes or 50 years, it does not matter. When you live like that, it's actually so freeing that I'm not worried about how long my life goes because you want to know why? I already know the ending. I'm going to be in heaven with no mortgage and no bills. Take me now, Jesus. I don't know why everybody's in such a thing that I'm not ready to go. Well, I'm, take me now. You can have my spot, I promise. But that's the thought process. Don't put your life on a timeline. Just put life in your timeline. You don't know how long it's going to be, but you can make such a difference every single moment, every single day you get up and take a breath. And now the third thing I want to look at, you know, okay, once again, we're, we're still deciding, Rich. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. And we realize we've got to be a part of the team. Well, the other thing you need to get on our hearts to take a little pressure off you and realize it's time to step up is the, the need doesn't stop if we don't respond. That's a concept that not a lot of us get, but a lot of us enjoy. A lot of us don't get the fact that the work of God, and I'm not just talking about Sunday services. I'm not just talking about the fact that we have an amazing team that shows up here at six something in the morning to get the lights, the chairs, everything set up, kids ministry, all the areas, the cafe, all this stuff goes on. People stay till three something in the afternoon after everybody's gone to pick up garbages and clean bathrooms, myself included. I came in this morning and my wife was already on my case. I came in, the first thing I did, I dropped my bag, I started carrying the barrels out to the welcome lounge, moving stuff around. She goes, what are you doing? You're preaching today, get in the office and go prepare. Yes, mom. And then I kept doing what I was doing anyways. Because I love to serve. When we do things for others, 
without the purpose of my self-recognition. When I do things with the purpose that I just want to create the best atmosphere and experience for others to know God, it takes a whole new stature and an whole new place in my life and it will in yours. When we do things beyond this wall through city care, his hands at work, through outreaches, through prayer ministry, through the nursing home ministry, through CR, through everything we do here to affect others' lives. The funny thing is, I always tell people, they will thank us, and I say, no, 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 thank you. Why? Because you allowed me to share this in your life. When I baptized people last week, it wasn't me. It was what we did for those people. And when you realize that, it's amazing. So yeah, I'll let you know. If you decide not to respond to the call of God, if you decide not to get involved, guess what? The work will go on, but you will not be a part of it. And you know who the one is going to lose out on that? Is yourself. I lost out on it for years by just coming to church and not getting involved. I lost out on it on years because if I didn't go, somebody else will do it. That's great. But just like at my job, if I don't go to the call, somebody else will go. But what if that 15 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, what if there was something going on that I know more about than somebody else does and I decided not to respond? Will the call still get handled? Absolutely. Will the outcome be different? Possibly. Would I have been involved? Not if I don't go. And that's the exact same thing for each and every one of us in here. We have to make a choice. You either respond, you join the team, you decide you're the one that's going to go and make a difference, or you don't. It's as simple as that. But the ones who will lose out are the ones who decide not to respond. I tell you this because what God has in your life is amazing. It's going to make a difference. It's going to lift you up. It's going to bless you. It's going to strengthen you. It's not about what you're doing for other people. It's about what God is doing in you for those people. Take yourself out of the equation and it changes your thought process completely. Take yourself out completely and realize, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. And whatever the outcome is, it's okay. Because I'm telling you right now, the end result is we're all going to be having a massive pachanga in heaven one day, singing worship and praise to our God. So who cares? If this life isn't what you expected, I'm sorry. But the glory we're going to have in heaven will be more than we expect or can think. So just go for it. And who cares? You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, I've shared these verses before. I love these verses because they put that thought process in my mind of can't stop, won't stop. And it reads, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That is a verse that should drive us. That is a verse that should get us up in the day. That is a verse that should make me want to jump up and say, I'm going to serve you today, God. Why? Because if I don't get out there, somebody's eyes are veiled to the gospel. If I don't get out there and make a difference, somebody could die today and not know the glory of Christ. That was each and every one of us. But once we came to know the glory of Christ, are we sharing it with others or are we just keeping it to ourselves? Do you wake up with that fervor each and every day, with that intensity, with that drive, that God, I want to serve you. You want to know why? Because I can't wait for somebody else to do it. If you called me to do it, I'm going to be the one that's going to open their eyes. We're living in a life and death situation, people, and you will either decide to respond or you won't. So if I can ask everybody to get up on their feet, just come on, everybody up on your feet. I'm not going to make you yell again, I promise. Maybe at the end. But maybe some of you don't know that today. Maybe some of you don't know God in that way. 
Maybe some of you have never even surrendered your life completely to Christ. Whether it's your first time here, second time here, or five years in, I don't care. If you have never fully surrendered your life to Christ, if you have never said, God, I choose to follow you, the rest is up to you, God. Show me the way you want me to go. Then in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that and respond to him. So if everybody will just close their eyes, bow their heads for a moment, just for a moment of privacy. I pose that question to each and every one of us. Each one of us. I don't care how long you've been here or what you think of Sunday services, doesn't matter. This is about you and God at this moment. If you don't know God in that way, if you don't have that personal relationship with God, if you've never fully surrendered your life to God saying, God, I want to be used by you. I am choosing and deciding today that I'm going to surrender to you completely. I'm giving you my life because I want to know what it's like to make a difference for you. I want to serve you and save others. Then at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Amen and amen. If you don't know God, just raise your hand. If you want that life with him, raise your hand. If you want to know him in that way, raise your hand. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen, amen. Amen, I see you guys. Amen. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer right now. This is the best decision you've ever made. I tr trust me, it is. You may not know it now, but you will soon. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. It's not to me. It's not to anybody else in here. This is between you and your heavenly Father and your Savior. But we're all going to join in together because, like I said, this is a team. We do nothing alone here. Nobody's on their own. So the whole church, we're going to get behind these people. And if everybody just repeat after me, say, Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for my life. Jesus, thank you for your death. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for my new life. Come into my life. Walk with me. Guide me. And be with me every step of my days. I love you. And I want to follow you. And it's in your precious name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.